Welcome to the latest episode of Apple at Work. My name is Bradley Chambers. As always, this is a podcast about uh, Apple and the intersection with uh, education, healthcare, business, and everything in between. Back again with uh, my longtime friend, Fraser Spears, uh, reflecting on his uh, 15 plus years uh, in education and, and really you know, in the state of technology and education and, uh, and where we're that. So, Fraser, welcome back to the show. Hey, Bradley. Good to be back with you. I think one of the, th- the things we hit on last time was like, there's nothing new in schools and tech. Uh, y- you know, when you and I started, like there were schools that didn't have Wi-Fi, and then rolling out enterprise Wi-Fi was new. Like that was an unknown. And I mm. spoke at conferences on like Wi-Fi deployments and Wi-Fi strategy. And not to say that like all schools have good Wi-Fi, but uh, every school has Wi-Fi now. Like you, you don't have a school without Wi-Fi, and it's all generally enterprise Wi-Fi. Nobody's using send all and access points, like all that's unknown. And I, and I think, you know, when you look at like the device landscape, like it's clear there are four types of devices, their PCs, their iPads, their Macs, and then their Chromebooks. Like that's, that's kind of the makeup. Every school is picking one of those. No one's gone to VR goggles yet. Um, and so, we, you know, we kind of reflected on like, are things boring? Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. That things are a little bit boring, but you, in any technology wave, right, you have a situation where you have innovators, you have early adopters, then you have early majority and late majority, and then laggards. That's, um, you know, that's Everett Rogers' book, Diffusion of Innovations, and every innovation goes that way. And I, I would say that where we are right now is we're at coming to or be somewhere beyond the crest of that peak where. Um, a lot of schools have done this kind of thing. You know, like I've said to you before, it's now Scottish national education policy that every pupil has a device. You know, 10, 12 years after I started, I was the first person to do that in Scotland. And um, in a way, it's a good thing, right? You know, that, that everything everything is okay, right? But here's my problem is that nothing is great, you know? And we're in the middle, you said in the last episode, that I'm moving on from my position as principal of our school now. And as part of that, we're also looking at doing another platform transition back from Chromebook to iPad. And it's really interesting doing this now that um, the iPad that we're coming back to in 2022-23 is exactly the same iPad that we left behind in 2019. I mean, there's really nothing new. You know, um, there, there's a few more controls for your profiles and stuff like that, but, you know, and, and still nobody's doing shared iPad. <laughs> um, and every every drawback that the iPad of 2019 had that led me to move to Chromebook still exists. And every drawback that the Chromebook had that I knew about still exists. And the benefits and drawbacks of both platforms are the same. And I suppose that's kind of my problem is that nobody's completing the revolution. Right? This is my, my issue with it. It's not that... We've got 80% good in, in both Chrome OS and iOS, but neither are 100% good, you know? And even even were we to do one-to-one MacBook Air, right? There's still issues there, okay? The ease of use is not there with the MacBook. Um, even as, as good as, as Mac OS is, it's not simple enough. And I would argue that iOS is not no longer simple enough either. Um, and Chrome OS is probably too simple. And And, you know... I keep thinking, like, where is the computer which just does everything we want at an, ex- at an acceptable level of quality? And that's my issue at the moment is it doesn't exist, you know. Um, 
unless it's maybe the Surface tablet, I don't know. <laughs> that was my other suggestion, but nobody wanted to hear that one. Well, and then let's be real. Your your average school largely, I'm not going to say can't afford it because everything's affordable, is not going to allocate the budget for an $1,000 device per student. Yeah. I would argue your average school probably can allocate $500 per device per school. And th- th- going back to the iPad, like it's not even just like if you say, okay, I will deploy the iPad and then we'll do the magic keyboard. Like it's a little bit closer, not, not all the way there of Mac OS, but like it's closer, mm-hmm. but that's expensive. And that's mm-hmm. another thing to lose. That's another thing to break. Um, it's, it's, you're right. It's not perfect. And, and, I, and I wonder if some of this is, we're trying to fit business productivity into education. We're like, I would argue the perfect business device today is like the MacBook Air. Long battery, mm-hmm. um, great apps for the Mac, particularly my favorite, one password. Um, as as I'm sure you would agree. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned in the last wonderful show, product. <laughs> Fraser is going to work for the great team at One Password, which uh I I've been a customer uh longer than my kids have been alive. Um it, it, you know, again, but like what business customers need and what schools need are different. And inside of different grades, different sub, different devices work best. Inside of different subjects in the same grade, different devices work best. Like, like you know, in art class, iPad uh, iPad works great. In English, MacBook Air probably is a better tool, um, or maybe a Chromebook, uh, but like a desktop class computer. And I think what we've seen is. Chrome OS has not reached the maturity of Mac OS, just as the same as iPad OS has not reached the, like both of these were like kind of different. Like we had a simple desktop OS and then we had a a, uh, simple tablet OS. And they were both like seemingly on the path to like this nirvana of the one perfect device. And they just, neither one of them got in there. And I would argue that Chrome OS has probably gotten Maybe, and again, but in the truthfulness is like Chrome OS needs to probably get more like iOS uh, in, in a way. I guess you know, like, no, I'm rethinking that. But the iPad just, you just still, it's still even if you can do things like it's still clunky to do things. And it's not to say that the iPad's not a great device because it really, really is. And I, like, we, I was talking to a guy on a previous show. Uh, they were one of the. Um, uh, he was at a, a he was worked at a fire rescue up in Wisconsin, and like they were the one of the first customers using Apple Business Essentials. And he talked about like I, I even said like why like why iPad like well, what should, he he talked about the way to use it and the things that they do with iPads you just can't do with like desktop computers. But mm-hmm. the again there there just still is like no Nirvana of device selection. Um, that, that covers 98% of what you want to do. Like, like, you, like, I don't expect something to be perfect, but you do still, like, if you told me like for the money, like if money is no object, pick the device that can be, be all end all. It is hard to pick that mm-hmm. because even then on the Microsoft side, um, again, she said the surface surface is a great device and hardware certainly come a long way. Maybe like some of the, the apps aren't there. Um, on the on the Microsoft side, uh, then you could say, well, you can just use web apps. It's like, well, they might as well just deploy Chrome OS. Like, you know, there's like again, nothing's perfect. Like, you you want like the apps of the iPad, the the collaboration of collaboration and and, and kind of ease of use of Chrome OS, then like the powerhouse of the Mac. Like, it just doesn't exist, and it's hard. Um, and and then I, you know, you and I just going back to that book you talked about. Um, 
uh, what was the name of it? Uh, Diffusion of Innovations. Yeah, Diffusion of Innovations. If any yeah. of our listeners have never read that, I'll have a link in the show notes. Great book. Uh, not not short, but great book. You knew I, did, I think it did like a seven part series on that book. And mm-hmm. and I think you know when I I had not thought about that book since you had mentioned it just now. And I and I wonder if like you and I are like the the entrepreneurs of in whatever industry we're in. Um, and I like I you know I don't talk about it really a ton, but like, I'm a, a pretty big Bitcoin guy. Uh, Fraser, I don't know how you feel about it. We've never talked about it, like, but like uh, about two years ago, like I kind of went down the rabbit hole of like starting to research it and like putting on the lens of like, what would people said about like e-commerce and the internet in the, the late eighties, early nineties. And there were a lot of people, now again, I'm not saying Bitcoin is going to take over, be the next world reserve currency. Um, I, and I'm not particularly interested in any listeners opinions about it because it's like it's hard to have an email conversation about uh, Bitcoin. But I wonder if like the the people that are dismissing Bitcoin today would they have been the same people that would dismiss e-commerce and the internet? Like you know we we look at like you know news coverage and papers from like the the 80s and early 90s like the internet's a fad and then we laugh mm-hmm. about that now. But that's real yeah. easy to do in hindsight. But like if you would have told somebody like. Hey, this is what the the world would be like in twenty twenty two. Like if you told them that in nineteen ninety, they would have thought like you're talking about the Jetsons essentially. Like you I mean yeah, we're not flying cars, but we we kind of have everything. But uh, maybe maybe not the house robot. Um, but depending on which your CES you're looking at, it, it seems like it. Um, and so that's why like I've tried to keep an open mind about like what's next. Like and and like never be like too rigid in my thinking to think like what will the next big thing think happen because again i don't know that i could have predicted like the mobile wave in 04 like i would have thought like i could have agreed that that sounds nice but i don't know that the technology would have gotten there and so i wonder like what's the next thing in education that's gonna like start this cycle over again i i I don't but as a parent like i don't particularly want my kids wearing vr goggles at school uh i don't want Mm -hmm. them taking virtual field trips i want them going places what are your thoughts on like on what would kickstart innovation again It's, it's a really hard question, right? And I, I think that as I've gotten further through this and, and gotten older, I suppose, as well, Bradley, I think that where my interest has gone, right, is back towards, like, knowledge and mastery, right? Is that when when I teach, I, I want children to, like, deeply know and deeply understand content of various types, knowledge of all kinds, right? So it's not not specifically about any particular subject. Computer science, yeah, that's what I teach. But, you know, I want them to know about history and I want them to know about art and English literature and language and French and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm just much more interested now in, in the learning and not so much in the technology, right? And I think that, let me like, we, we'll go back a wee bit to our conversation there about um, which is, is the best computer, right? Which is not really what we were saying, but let's simplify it that way. If you want to look at iOS versus Chromebook, right? I think that the question of which one of those you would choose depends very much on what you see as being the role for creativity and education, right? That there's no doubt that the iPad, iOS, is by far the best pro- um, creativity platform that schools can reasonably afford. Okay, um, it's got, you've got a device with an integrated camera, a touchscreen, iMovie, GarageBand, you know, podcast production, video production, photography, photo editing, 
you know, all of that kind of stuff is there and it's all great. Okay. The big question I have is to what extent does that contribute to learning? Right. So is the fact that you've made a podcast about the French Revolution any more effective in terms of your learning than having read a very authoritative book about the French Revolution and been taught that book well and exercised your understanding of it? And that's an open question in my mind. I'm not sure to what extent making a lesson more creative, and and we always use this phrase engagement, is it necessarily true that a more engaging lesson leads to better knowledge and understanding? Um, There's a big question mark over that. Now, Apple will tell you it does. And part of the reason Apple tells you that it does is because it's a it's a it's a line that goes well with Apple's product, okay? Which is that the the iPad is by far the most creative device. Therefore, if we can make the argument that creativity is essential to education, then by the transitive property, the iPad becomes essential to education, right? If, on the other hand, you think that access to knowledge is the most important aspect of education and expressing your learning in perhaps a more limited fashion, right? Like on a, on a Chromebook, right? You, you type an essay or you answer a quiz or something, or you, you create a document that expresses your learning, then the Chromebook is perfectly fine for that. And the tension in schools, I would say, between who, who wants to be Chrome OS and who wants to be iOS is a lot to do with that question, right? And I suppose partly what pulled me towards Chrome OS was my feeling that, in fact, creativity can sometimes be a distraction from the actual learning, okay? Now, that's that's quite a controversial thing to say um, in education, is it? To say that creativity is not that important. Um, obviously, there are creative subjects, but it's not obvious to me that every... You know, is there such a thing as creative mathematics? Is there such a thing as creative science? Is it, do we have to say that these things are creative just to kind of fit in with the current zeitgeist of education where things are creative? Or is it enough to, you know, can can you be educated just with books? You know, do you have to be making something that expresses your learning? Or can you just know stuff and know that you know it? And you know, that's kind of where I, I come to at the end of my career in education is sceptical about creativity, um, not dismissive of it. And I value the arts as much as most anybody else does and I'm very much an equal opportunity teacher across all subjects. But to what extent does your computer platform of choice have to facilitate that? Big, big question mark all over. No, that's a, I think that's fair because like I think about my, my kids school and like as fifth and fifth graders, they do this program called the four C's. And one of the, um, it's like uh, chess, carpentry, um, cooking and coding. And like, I taught the coding class and now and some, obviously somebody else has now. And then like, I've got a son that is coming through. He just finished fifth grade. I'm like, of the ones, like if you said it had to be three C's, I would think which one would I want it to drop? I think I dropped mm. the coding because mm. like I've enjoyed, like, you know, now that sort I of play chess and you'll know how to play chess the rest of his life. We play chess together. He beats me every time. Um, and then like carpentry, I think that's a good skill. And I think, mm. and like we had like this mayor's race here in Chattanooga and the guy 
the one that the one party's candidate was he really championed running on like vocational education, like kind of like making that a focus again and talking about like, not everybody needs to be a coder. Like it's really, not everybody needs to go to college. Like it's really okay. Like you talked about like, um, does like if someone goes graduate high school, they go to like auto body repair school for a year, the state pays for it. It's free. And then like, they actually make really good money and they have a skill for life that, that, that like the internet is not, uh, is not like going to take over. And I think that's, and, and that resonated with me. Cause I think I kind of, I think we all spent like the last two years of our lives. Like, you know, you, you kind of like be locked down or this, that, the other. And like a lot of people didn't, you're kind of like, I want more of like, you want like less, you want your kids to experience more. And again, not, it's not like the creativity is bad, but like you said, what if they didn't make the, like not saying podcasting is bad because like, I think podcasting is great, Mm -hmm. but if you really think about it, like podcasting, isn't new, it's radio. This episode of Apple at work is sponsored by Mosul. Deploying, managing and protecting Apple devices at work. Shouldn't be difficult or require several solutions. Mosul is the only Apple unified platform for business. By combining enhanced device management, endpoint security, internet privacy and security, single sign-on, enhanced app management into a single Apple-only platform, businesses can now easily and automatically deploy, manage, and protect their Apple devices automatically with one solution at an affordable price. With a solution for businesses of every size and the best support in the market, start a free 30-day trial today and see firsthand why Mosul is more than an Apple NDM. Mosul is everything you need to work with Apple. To learn more, visit business.mosul.com. Again, that's business.mosul.com, M-O-S-Y-L-E.com. Thanks to Mosul for sponsoring Apple at Work this week. And so we think about like, again, so kind of working through this, it's like radio is podcasting. That's kind of like you can access anywhere. So like, again, it's go back to that access. Like, it's not like mm-hmm. podcasting is like the, for the first time you can hear someone talk, an expert talk about something. But for the first time, an expert could monetize that sending it across the internet wasn't required for FM way. You know, you didn't need FM ways or AM ways. Then you think about email is email in itself. Amazing. It's like, no email is digital facts, a digital memo. And like, it allows you to move faster with that, but it's not like that's the first time we were able to share information. And then you say the same thing with like writing a paper in English. Like, okay, what's the, what's the benefit of like typing it in Google docs and versus like writing in your hand? Well, a, it may be easier for the teacher to read B it's like easier to correct. Uh, maybe it's easier to collaborate. You know, again, you think about like, could you collaborate before Google docs? Yes. Um, absolutely. But it was harder. Like, okay, let me get, let's get together for a project this weekend. And that's what it was when you and I were in college. It's like, you know, you got to go on Sunday night and you were like, all right, it's probably just everybody made at the university library and we're going to collaborate. Um, well now it's like, you just like could do it over zoom anywhere, anywhere in the world over Google docs. Like you're fundamentally not doing things differently. Maybe the medium is different. And that's where I've kind of come down to is people haven't changed like over the past 20 years, like we would all still, it's like, would you rather go on a date with your wife over FaceTime or in person in person? Okay. Well, if you're traveling is FaceTime nice. Yeah, that is nice, but it doesn't, it's no substitute for like the in-person thing. And same thing with education, like, okay, is the fundamental role of teaching, has it changed? Has like the theory of teaching changed? It's it maybe evolved, but it's not changed. Like how you learn, like we're still the same in our brains, uh, roughly as we were in the eighties. And I, and I think about the lesson, the, the lesson I still remember this day when I was a senior in high school, was in British lit and 
uh, you've heard of the archetypal hero quest. Like every journey, a hero goes on the same. Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Mind blowing to me. Because then you look at it, you're like, every book, every movie is this. He taught it by putting in VHS VHS tapes of uh, Star Wars, like the original trilogy. And we, and so you think like, it's letting you watch Star Wars for like two weeks. Like, yeah, he is. He would pause it. We would, we would talk about it. Okay. This, that, and the other. And okay. Where's Luke on this journey? La, 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 la. And I still remember it to this day. And I remember when I got to British Lit in college, it's like expert. Um, and then he gets to the end and he says, well, who was the hero of the story? I was like, wait, what do you mean? It's like, was it, was it Anakin or was it Luke? Well, this was around the time. When um, episode one had come out, Attack of the Clones is on the way out. Well, mm-hmm. then you start, but again, again, he's using technology, sure, but like he, he taught it in such a way where it just blew your mind and we all got it. We all understood Star Wars. We were all Star Wars fans, but he taught us something that, yeah, he could have just had us read a book or this, that, and the other. But what, okay, so like do that lesson today. Does it matter that it was on Disney Plus? No. Like if we did a podcast about it, would it have mattered? No, like maybe maybe if some students had an interesting thing, it might have been good to share that with maybe maybe another class. But it doesn't make it where I learned it any better, faster, or in a way that was any different just because of the new technology. Um, I think it just made maybe showing it better. I know I've rambled there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And and think about also the, the the other side of that, right? Which is that the teacher teaches in a certain way, either technology enabled or not. But how how do you express back your understanding of that content, right? So the other side of that question is, you know, you, you've learned about the hero's journey. How do you show to the teacher or to an exam board or to wider society that you know about the hero's journey, right? And is it important that you do it in the form of a podcast or a rap or um yeah, a poster or something like that. Is the actual form of that more important than the fact that you actually know precisely what the hero's journey is and you have learned the ability to analyze the text and correctly understand the structure of the narrative and the story, right? And you, you can express your understanding. And I would probably argue that for for actual, you know, high-level academic achievement, you know, like Actual, like scientists don't, they don't like write a rap about their scientific results, right? They write it in a scientific paper. Yeah. We, we, we still write books about the most important things in the world, right? And to some extent, we, we make YouTube videos and podcasts about them, but we, we still, we still converse about them and speak about them. And if you go onto YouTube and, and learn actual knowledge and facts, right? a high academic level, that's still presented in the form of lectures and talks, right? Um, whether debates or discussions. And you, you can look at the you know the the Jordan Peterson phenomenon, right? You you look at that guy's YouTube, right? He's, you know, whatever you think of Jordan Peterson, the fact is that he and Joe Rogan and Sam Harris and all these people are putting out between three and five hour podcasts that are some of the most popular content on the internet. Right, but long form, deep, knowledgeable content is still wildly popular, and that's really important, I think. And so the question then to to sort of circle this back to computer use in school and innovation is that still important, or 
is is the actual knowledge important, right? Because you can have the best production values. You can make the nicest thing. And the, the concern I have, I suppose, is that we confuse production values with the actual quality of content, right? And you know as well as I do that you don't have to have the best production values as long as your content is excellent. But no amount of production values will make up for poor quality content. You can look at a lot of YouTube and you look at a guy like MKBHD, right, Marcus Brindley, his production values are off the charts, but his content quality is also off the charts. And there are people who have got the same camera as he does and a similar studio set up and the same microphone that he does and their channel's not as good because the content's not as good. And I think that that is one of the kind of fundamental tensions is whether or not the form of the, of the presentation of the knowledge and the actual content of the knowledge are, are not being put out of balance, right? Because we're thinking about, like I said, we're thinking about going back from Chromebook back to iOS. And one of the sort of concerns I have with, you know, say moving from like um, Google Docs to Pages is that when you're on Pages, you spend a lot of time thinking about the fonts and the presentation and not so much about the actual words you're writing because there's there's much more... Um, affordance to do things with the presentation and, and the appearance. And that's not to say that, like, say it was a graphic design class, obviously the appearance matters and the design matters. But when you're writing an English essay, I don't want you spending time on choosing your font and mucking about with your layout and all that kind of stuff. I want to, I want the content of the writing to be there. And I think that's, that's kind of at the heart of the tension. And this is now, we're now at the end of the deployment phase of, of computers and now I'm asking myself, how do we make sure that the learning that is happening is regardless of the platform? And, and how do we make sure the platform doesn't get in the way of the learning rather than just how do we make it the best learning? Because I think that's a separate question. But how do we make sure that the, the tool that we give is not a distraction from the learning and is, in fact, a support and a structure to the learning? And if the computer's not fun, I actually think that's okay. Now, not, I know not everybody agrees with me on that, but the computer shouldn't be there as an entertainment device. It should be there as what Steve Jobs called a bicycle for the mind, right? And, and this is the, like the most influential thing that I've ever heard in terms of thinking about learning in computers is the idea that the computer should be an amplifier for the mind, right? A, a tool like a bike that enhances your physical capability to, to transport yourself so you can go further much more efficiently on a bicycle than you can just walking. And Steve Jobs sort of described what he was doing with Apple in the early days as being a bicycle for the mind, a tool that enhances cognition. And I just have a lot of concerns that um, today computers have become, um, uh, you know, sort of drugs for the mind, if you like, where instead of being a tool to enhance our cognition, it's actually dumbing us down because we're being fed algorithmically so much, frankly, garbage through many different platforms. And and that's kind of where I, I see all of this landing is, are we building cognitive enhancements or are we building cognitive pacifiers? And I'm not necessarily saying that iPad is necessarily one and Chromebook is necessarily the other, but I think there's a big question about how do we make sure that the platform doesn't interfere with the learning? Very well said, because again, going back to our, Again, let's let's go back and say that same teacher is teaching the archetypal hero quest today. And and yeah. he says, I want you to make a podcast about this. And it's like, okay, 
Well, a a podcast it's more than just an audio file. It's an RSS feed. Like it's a del- our podcasting is a delivery mechanism. Okay, mm-hmm. so if he says I we're going to do ten of these, I'm going to set you up a podcast feed, and you're going to that's how you're deliver your content. Like, okay, like that that okay that's that's how I want the content delivered. Okay, would would the act of communicating what I learned of the archetypal hero quest be any different over a podcast or if I go back to 1999 and I, I have a tape player, a little handheld tape player and I hit record and I start talking. They're the same. Yeah. It's the same. I'm, I'm communicating verbally what I know. Mm-hmm. And then I would pass that off to the teacher. Now an RSS, you're passing it off digitally. But again, like you said, Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson on YouTube or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, RSS. He does the same thing as if you had subscribed to his lectures by tape and they came in the mail and they, you put them in the tape player. Like that's no different. The delivery mechanism has changed, but the fundamental like learning from him is the same. So I think that's, well, you know, and it, and it, and, it, and it's kind of like I think we talked about in the last episode. It's like the pendulum swinging back, and we just fought this like digital everything. And and I think one of the things that maybe in in retrospect, the thing I'm most sad about is there isn't an e-ink device that has every book. Because I look at my fifth grader now, and he has this giant backpack of books and binders. And I do yeah. think like, and, and again, you and I talked about this. It's like, it was good for the iPad to not be a, just a textbook reader. Like, and, and, I, mm-hmm. and, I, and I agreed with that at the time, but now that like I'm coming full circle and I have kids at that age and I'm, again, it's like 10 years of 10, 12 years of retrospective on hypermobility and hyperconnectedness. If you think about like, you know, I know you love the Kindles. I'm a Kobo guy now because I'm just trying to avoid the, I just, I'm trying to focus on just getting EPUBs and buying DRM for EPUBs. Like, mm-hmm. What makes the digital great? What makes a, you know, today we, if you saw, but Apple discontinued the iPod, like the last iPod. Condition. I saw that, yeah, yeah. What made the iPod great? A thousand songs in your pocket. It wasn't that it was, it wasn't that it was digital music that it was great, but you could have the music in a different way. Like you could consume more. And we could argue the fact that like, Having a thousand songs in your pocket like meant that you didn't appreciate the things that you had, didn't appreciate the, the you didn't have the album and you didn't appreciate the album for what it was. We can, we can debate that. But it's a good thing that like you can buy a Kindle and go to the woods for a month and have 50 books on there. That's a good thing. Like that takes that same thing, it changes the delivery mechanism and I would argue improves it. Yes, it's not a book, but like if, I think if E Ink had come along, I had been developed further, like we'd be a lot further along with that look and feel. But it's about making it easier of a delivery mechanism to do the things that we were always learning to do and the things that like kids need and is part of the growing up process. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The advantage in digital is dematerialization, right? That you don't have to have a 50 pound backpack full of paper that is, that is losable and breakable and destroyable when your water bottle leaks and all of these things, right? That that's the great advantage of digital is if you do it right, you can make it incredibly safe so that, you know, data loss is a thing of the past, right? There has been a, an interesting feature of our Chromebook deployment is that nobody's lost a single character of data in four, in three years, right? Which is actually not true in the iPad because we did have incidents in the iPad where physical damage to the device and the device hadn't been properly backed up meant that um, 
data was lost, right? We've not had that in three years on the Chromebook. So, you know, strike one for a particular architecture, right? But, you know, so what? Um, digital completely done, that should, be, that should be true for everybody, right? But um, there are... The, the downside of digital, right, is is massive increase in optionality, right? So you were saying, well, what's the difference between recording a podcast about the hero's journey and dictating into a, a, a mini cassette about the hero's journey? The difference is that you can now spend five hours screwing around with audio ducking and, you know, pew, pew, pew noises at the start and, and making it sound like a morning zoo on a radio show. And that's that's the problem, right? And And... It's not a platform comment as such, but it's like, you know, you could waste all your time trying to make it sound like, you know, KQEZ or whatever, and not actually say something correct and true and competent about the question of um, what, how does the hero's journey apply to Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings, right? And and you can never get to that point because you spend so much time trying to decide um, what your intro is going to sound like. Right. And and that's the, the the discipline, right? I've got this incredible book. I'm sitting here in my, my bookshelves here, right? There's a book, um, and it's a book by Matthew Crawford, right? I'm going to just grab it and I'm going to try and find a, a wee section for you, right? It's a book called The World Beyond Your Head by Matthew B. Crawford, right? He also wrote a book called um, Shop Class as Soulcraft, and another one called Why We Drive, and he has this idea in this book that the modern world, right, as we, we've taken away um, all of the kind of cultural supports and we said, oh, you can do anything you want and, and it's, it's digital and, um, you know, there's no limits. What he says is that um, the, the down-regulation of cultural supports for what you want to do has required you to upregulate your internal compass, Right, I'm paraphrasing, so I've not found the exact line here. But saying you've got to increase your self-control to the same extent that all of the other supports that you normally had have been taken away. Right now, you think about lockdown school. That's exactly true. Right, that when all of the cultural structures of school were taken away, and it was just you and a laptop in your room, the pupils the young people who could upregulate their self-control survived and even thrived in lockdown. And that's an unpopular thing to say that some people had a great lockdown, but some people did. But the people who could not upregulate their self-control had an absolute disaster. And I mean that in every sense of the word, a disaster. And, and that's what's happening with digital, right? Is that the structures and the constraints are taken away means that you as a person have to upregulate yourself. Now you look on YouTube, why is why is like self-help stuff just so popular right now, right? Your your Jocko Willink and your Jordan Peterson and all these guys, Cal Newport is killing it on his podcast and YouTube channel. Why is he doing that? Because these guys are telling you how to upregulate your self-control. And Cal Newport is all about, you know, um, getting off social media and Jocko Willink's all about physical work and Jordan Peterson's about metaphysical sacrifice and all this kind of stuff. But that's the world that we've created is a world where there are no constraints on you, but somehow you're going to have to find them within yourself. And these people are all stumbling towards something like that. And I think we have a question in education where we have to be careful not to take away so many of these cultural supports and structures, even in the school now that we're back in school, such that pupils can't have to be 
the demand for them to upregulate their own self-control is too high. And and I think that's, I'm getting towards a, a major um, key point in this whole debate I, I, when I'm seeing that there. You know, I heard a phrase and it said, um, good times make weak people and bad times make strong people. And, mm. and I think about that a lot and not that like you want bad times, but it, it needs to be a balance. Like it, you know, I think about like the Wally movie and uh, as we mm. kind of wrap up here, I think about the Wally movie and the, and the kids, just, the people just like watching screens all day. And it's not a, I mean, it's like, it's not a good thing to, to, what's the word like um, just have everything at your fingertips. Like it's, it's the, you know, that, that unlimited choice is, is, is cha- can, can create a challenge. And again, it's, it's, you could watch every, you could watch um, every chess video. You could, you could watch every chess video 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You'd never get through all the chess videos on YouTube, but did you ever actually enjoy chess? And like, not, not, not that you didn't learn chess. Did you enjoy playing mm-hmm. chess? And I think that's, mm-hmm. That's something I think about. Um, well, let's we'll wrap up there. Uh, we'll, we'll have you back again, and we'll, we'll wrap up this discussion on reflecting in your career. I think this has been a this has been helpful for me too. Coming off of my career, I never, I don't think I ever like fully thought through a lot of this. And I think some of this now is not that we were wrong then, but we've had a, a decade long of like understanding and uh, of watching kids grow, watching our own kids grow up, and yeah. and reflecting. Like, because again, it's not saying that we were wrong, but you, your thinking evolves over time on 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 what's what's the next thing and how do we, how do we just get better every year a little bit? So, um, Fraser, thanks for coming on the show. We'll have you on again soon. And uh, thanks for for listening. And we'll see you next week.